as we continue our series today called Watch Your Mouth. I want to begin by telling you about a man named Mason Locke Weems. He lived during the 1700s. He tried his best to make it as a pastor, but it became apparent after a while that he wasn't really cut out for that kind of work. So he tried to think of something else he could do with his life that would enable him to still help people. Eventually, he decided to become a writer of motivational, self-improvement type books. One of the books he wrote was called A History of the Life and Death, Virtues and Exploits of General George Washington. It was a biography of our first president. What makes this book significant is that it contains the famous story of George Washington as a boy chopping down his father's cherry tree. I want to read to you how that story ends in the book. Okay, This is just after George's father has asked him if he cut down that cherry tree. This was a tough question, and George staggered under it for a moment, but quickly recovered himself. And looking at his father, with the sweet face of youth brightened with the inexpressible charm of all-conquering truth, He bravely cried out, I can't tell a lie, Pa. You know I can't tell a lie. I did cut it with my hatchet. Run to my arms, you dear boy, cried his father. Glad am I that you killed my tree, for you have paid me for it a thousandfold. The fact that you told me the truth is worth more than a thousand trees, though blossomed with silver and fruited with gold. Now, here's the interesting thing you need to know about that event in George Washington's life. It never happened. There is not one shred of evidence in history that this ever happened. George Washington never told anybody about it. None of his biographers mention it. It appears to be something that Mr. Weems fabricated to make his book about Washington more interesting and compelling. However, it caught on, and people began to tell this story, and now just almost everybody who's of a certain age has heard the story of George Washington cutting down the cherry tree, and his father asking him about it, and he says, I cannot tell a lie. But you've got to get the irony here. The story that Mr. Weems told to glorify truth-telling and to encourage people to tell the truth was itself a lie. And that is a perfect illustration of the problem we all face when it comes to telling the truth. Sometimes a lie just seems so helpful. Sometimes a lie just seems like the perfect tool to get you where you need to go or to get you out of a problem or a situation you happen to be in. In the case of Mr. Weems, I'm sure he was able to convince himself that it was a harmless lie. Just like the guy embellishing his resume is able to convince himself that it's a harmless lie. Just like the salesman exaggerating the effectiveness of his product is able to convince himself that it's a harmless lie. Just like the student plagiarizing the term paper is able to convince himself that it's a harmless lie. Just like the employee calling in sick when he isn't really sick is able to convince himself it's a harmless lie. After all, nobody's getting hurt. Most people will never even know 
that the truth was manipulated a little bit. But here's the thing about harmless lies. The Bible, which should be our measuring stick in any morality situation, doesn't acknowledge that there is even such a thing as a harmless lie, or what we might call a little white lie. The Bible treats all lies the same, and it calls them all sin. And you might wonder, why can't God loosen up a little bit on this? I mean, you know, certainly there are what we call little white lies, little lies that you might tell um, to avoid embarrassment or to save someone else some embarrassment or to, to keep from hurting someone's feelings. And if, and if a lie really is harmless, you might say, you know, why can't God just, you know, lighten up a little bit? Why does every single lie have to be a sin? Well, here's what I think the answer to that question is. A little white lie can indeed work very well without hurting anybody. I think God would say, that's why it's so dangerous. Because if a little white lie works for you, if it bails you out of trouble, or if it saves you a little embarrassment in a certain situation, then you're probably going to do it again sometime. And tell another lie in another situation, and the, the next lie might be a little bigger than the first one. And the next one might be a little bigger than that one. I always think lying is a lot like drinking beer. It's not the first one that wrecks your life. But the first one makes the second one a little easier. And the second one makes the third one a little easier. And the third one makes the fourth one a little easier. And the first thing you know, you look up and in your rearview mirror you see lights and hear sirens. So many sins, friends, are progressive. They start small and harmless, but they escalate. And, and I think probably no sin is more progressive than lying. In fact, some of you have probably had this experience where you told a lie and then you had to tell ten more just to keep from getting busted on the first one. It's no surprise that God hates lying. Look at this passage from Proverbs 6. It says, There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. Now, the first thing I notice about that list of sins is what's not listed there. I don't see adultery in that list. I don't see stealing in that list. I don't see rage or uncontrolled anger in that list. But I see lying twice. It makes the list twice. That tells me God really hates lying. Let me give you two reasons why God hates lying. Two reasons. First of all, lying causes us to be misaligned with God. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about life this way, but it is so important to be aligned properly as you live your life, to be in the right place. Alignment in any area of life is critical. A couple of examples. Take baseball, for example. It's really important for the catcher to position himself behind the plate because that's where the pitcher's going to throw the ball. And 
you know, he doesn't have to be behind the plate. There's only one player on the field that has to be in a certain spot, and that's the pitcher. He has to be on the pitching rubber. Every other player can position himself wherever he wants to. So the catcher could squat over by the dugout if he wanted to. But if he did, he'd be hurting his team, right? Because he wouldn't be there to catch the ball. Alignment is important. Think about business. Let's say you've invented a, a, a new kind of crock pot, and you want to buy some advertising to sell your crock pot. Well, um, I'm sure the folks at ESPN would be glad to sell you some advertising time on their network. But if you advertise your crock pot on ESPN, you might be aligning yourself with the wrong demographic because you're going to get mostly middle-aged men. Wouldn't it be better to align yourself with people who like to cook by maybe advertising on the Food Network? Alignment is critical. Your position. Where are you in relation to the things around you? Well, the Bible teaches that alignment is critical in your spiritual life. Proverbs 4.11 says, I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. Proverbs 4.26 says, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Proverbs 21.8 says, the guilty walk a crooked path. The innocent travel a straight road. Uh, are you starting to see a pattern? The verses tell us that, that alignment is critical in your relationship with God. There's a certain path you need to be on to have a healthy relationship with God, and it's a straight path. So if you end up over here or over here, that's not where you want to be. Well, guess what? Nothing will get you off of that straight path faster than lying. Why? Because lying is so diametrically opposed to everything God is. God is a person of truth. Even Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot be properly aligned with God. You cannot be in tune with God. You cannot have a healthy relationship with God if you tell lies. It would be like a woman trying to be best friends with another woman who's trying to steal her husband. That relationship is never going to work because those two women are not aligned. They have different goals. They have different purposes. They think differently. That relationship is not going to work. And your relationship with God is not going to work if you're out of alignment with Him, I would encourage you to think about that every time you're tempted to tell a lie. Because you may be able to gain some temporary, momentary advantage with a lie, but you will also put yourself at odds with God, out of alignment with God. You do not want to be out of alignment with God. If you think life is hard when you're in alignment with God, you ought to try it when you're out of alignment with God and when he's withholding his blessings from your life because you're out of alignment with him. So here's a second reason why God hates lying, because it causes us to be aligned with Satan. Misaligned with God and aligned with Satan. Here's why. Lies are the fuel that drives Satan's agenda. Everything he's about, Everything he's trying to accomplish in this world is based on lies. He is the master architect of every lie ever spoken. 
John 8, 44 says this about Satan. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So you're out of alignment with God, but you're in alignment with the father of lies. Let me just give you some examples of how Satan, the father of lies, uses lies to further his purposes. To the person who's hurting, who's had some catastrophe in life and is hurting, Satan says, you know, this is proof that God doesn't really love you. If he really loved you, he wouldn't let you suffer like this. To the person who's theologically confused, Satan says, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. That's what's really important. Just, just figure out what you want to believe and then, then be sincere about it. Sincerity, that's what's important. To the employee who feels underpaid, he says, you know, you could, you could make a little more money if you just pad that expense account a little bit. And you might think it's unethical, but everybody does it. The company expects it. It's no big deal. To the frustrated husband, he says, you know, that gal at work, she's, she's really nice. And, you know, she un- understands you so much better than your wife does. To the frustrated wife, he says, God doesn't want you to be unhappy. So you made a mistake with the guy you married. I mean, it happens. What you need to do is get a divorce and then pray and ask God to bring somebody into your life that will treat you the way you deserve to be treated. To the newly engaged couple, he says, you know, you could save a lot of money if you just move in together. That's what you need to do. That would be so wise. Think of all that money you'd spend or save. To the disgruntled church member, he says, you need to find a better church. Because those people, that church you go to, they're not as spiritual as you are. You're not being fed at that church. You need to find a better church. And on and on and on it goes. Lies are the fuel that drives Satan's agenda. I love how Oliver Wendell Holmes said it. He said, Satan has many tools, but a lie is the handle that fits them all. And it's true. When you tell a lie, you are aligning yourself with Satan's agenda. You are basically joining his team. You might as well pull on the jersey and wear it. Because you are on Satan's team when you lie. When he hears anybody tell any kind of a lie, I know he smiles and his ears perk up and he thinks, ooh, I like that, thank you, I can use that. And so what lying does is it makes us people of darkness instead of people of light. 
As Christians, we're supposed to be people of the light. Uh, Ephesians 5.8 says, uh, For once you were full of darkness, that's before you accepted Christ, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. Now watch this, watch carefully. It says, For this light within you produces only what is right and what? True. What is right and true. If you have light in you, you have to speak truth. Lies are of the darkness. And I'll tell you what, we need light in this world, don't we? This world is a dark place. We need truth and truth tellers. So let me wrap up this message with three suggestions for you that I hope will help you become a a, a truthful person. Number one, always remember that the truth will go down better if you are tactful. Um, Some people say, well, the truth hurts. And, you know, sometimes it does. But the truth... Uh, can hurt less if we're careful in how we tell it. If you just mix some love in with your truth, um, that'll be a good thing. I heard a story about a married couple, Bob and Diane. They both got up and go to work every morning, but uh, Diane got up really early, a lot earlier than her husband. And in fact, when she would leave the house, he was still in bed. So she would leave him a little sticky note on the kitchen counter every morning, a little note, and it was always signed, Love, Diane. She might... She might say, for example, don't forget to gas up the car today, love, Diane. Or, uh, I'm going to fix your favorite pork chops tonight for dinner, love, Diane. Well, one night they had a big argument, and it got heated. And they both said some things that they probably regretted, but it was in the heat of the moment. They were really angry, and they didn't get it settled before they went to bed. So they both went to bed angry. The next morning, Bob woke up, and he thought, well, I'm not going to get a sticky note this morning that says, love, Diane, that's for sure. But he walked into the kitchen, and there it was on the counter. He picked it up. It said, I hate you, love, Diane. (laughs) Colossians 4, 6 says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Mix some love into it when you have to tell a hard truth. Here's a second suggestion I have for you. Always remember that the sooner you tell the truth, the less trouble you will be in. Have you ever heard the saying, the cover-up was worse than the crime? We see that all the time, don't we? Someone makes a mistake, and instead of owning it, um, he lies about it, tries to cover it up, and the truth comes out anyway. And the damage is always worse, always worse when you try to hide the truth. Numbers 32, 23 says, you may be sure your sin will find you out. You can be very clever. You can think you have everything contained. You can have all your lies and deceptions categorized in imperfect order. And you can think nobody will ever find out. But it's amazing how the truth has a way of worming its way toward the sunlight. I heard a story. This is a true story about a guy who started two-timing his girlfriend with another girl that he met online. And of course, he didn't tell the new girlfriend about the old girlfriend. He didn't tell the old girlfriend about the new girlfriend. He's seeing both girls, and he's having the time of his life, and neither girl knows about the other one. He thinks he's got everything covered. Well, the new girlfriend gets a new job. Where the old girlfriend works. And they're assigned to desks right beside each other. True story. 
So these two girls start becoming acquainted and becoming friends and going to lunch. And one day, conversation kind of naturally leads to their social lives, and they start talking about uh, boyfriends, and wow, they both have a boyfriend, and here, let me show you a picture of my boyfriend. And so they both pull out their phones and show each other pictures of the same guy. You may be sure your sin will find you out. You might as well just go ahead and tell the truth. You'll be in a lot less trouble the sooner you tell the truth. Here's suggestion number three. Remember that it's not just important to tell the truth to others, it's also important to tell the truth to yourself. There are lots of people in this world who lie to themselves every single day. A friend comes to you and says, Boy, I don't know. It looks to me like you've got a drinking problem. And you say, oh, me? No, no, I don't have a drinking problem. I can quit anytime I want to. A friend comes to you and says, you know, that guy you're dating, I, I don't think he's good for you. He seems to bring out the worst in you. And you say, well, I know he's not perfect, but I feel like if we stick together, I can change him. Or a friend comes to you and says, you don't seem to be as committed to the Lord as you used to be. I notice you haven't been at church and I've been hearing some of the things you've been saying. And Are you okay? And you say, ah, oh, it's that church I'm going to. You know, they're just not spiritual enough for me over there. Those sermons don't feed me. I need to find a new church. Somebody said the worst lies you'll ever tell are the ones you tell yourself. And I sometimes wonder if that's true. I know a lot of people trap themselves in horrible life situations simply because they won't face the truth. So be tactful. Mix some love in with your truth. Tell the truth sooner rather than later and tell the truth to yourself too. Let me close with a story. Back in the 1800s, Pepe Rodriguez was one of the most notorious bank robbers in the Old West. He would creep across the border into Texas and rob two or three banks very quickly and then sneak across the border back into Mexico. And he did this a number of times without getting caught. Eventually, the Texas Rangers got so frustrated that they decided to sneak across the border into Mexico and hunt him down. And finally, they cornered him in a bar. And the Rangers surrounded him. They pulled their guns. They pointed their guns at him. The problem was they were stuck because Pepe only spoke Spanish and the Texas Rangers only spoke English. And so they grabbed a bystander who was bilingual, dragged him over and said, we want you to translate for us. You tell Pepe right now that we've had it with him. We're done with this bank robbing stuff. And if he doesn't tell us where he's hidden all that money, we're going to shoot him dead right now. And so the translator turns to Pepe and says in Spanish, Pepe, these guys are serious. They say that if you don't tell them where the money is, they're going to shoot you. 
Pepe says in Spanish to the interpreter, he says, well, I've had a good run, but I guess it's over. You tell them the money is at my house in the southwest corner. Down near the floor, there's a loose brick. The money's behind that brick. The interpreter turns to the Texas Rangers, and he says in English, Pepe says, you guys are a bunch of stinking pigs, and he is not afraid to die. (laughs) There are moments in life when a lie seems like the perfect way to go. It never is. A lie makes you a person of darkness. It misaligns you with God and aligns you with Satan. So your challenge for this week, tell the truth. Let's stand.